1 John 1, 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, start over that which was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the father and was made manifest to us that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be made complete. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Good to be with y'all. Good to see you folks on Zoom. Um, as we talk about um, transitioning from 2020 to the new year, 2021, I'd like to do things a little bit differently this morning. I'd like to use this, this little block of time more as an interactive time, more like a Bible class, I suppose, than my typical sermon where I'm just talking and you're listening. Uh, this is our last uh, Sunday of 2020. Um, Going forward, in just a few days, 2020 will be in our rear view. Can I get a whoop? It's been a year, right? Well, our, our thematic focus for the year has been worship, as you see on our, our banner here that you've seen a thousand times. Worship, loving the God who first loved us. And I don't know if you remember or not, but we, we talked about this a couple years ago when we first came up with a kind of church mission statement, which is on our uh, website. And I, I had PowerPoint going, and then we decided to meet out here. I'm not able to show you that. But if you can just recall, it basically sort of amplifies 1 John 4.19. I think really, in some ways, all the Bible is in 1 John 4.19 in a kind of encapsulated form. And so after we just sort of focused on that verse in all of its parts for a year, this last year, we, we've looked at loving God, loving the God who first loved us. We love because he first loved us. That's verse uh, 19 of 1 John 4. Now, notice in the first half of that sentence, that independent clause, we love, and you know, before the comma, we love, there's no object of the verb. He doesn't say we love Joe or David or Mary or God or people. He just says we love because he first loved us. The second part has a subject and a verb. The first part of the sentence, though, really just has it's sort of left to us to fill in the blank. We love what? We love whom? And it's fairly obvious from 1 John, not to mention the rest of the New Testament, that God is the supreme object of our love. And so through 2020, we focused on loving God, on adoring God, on worshiping God, you might say, making him our all in all, recognizing him as the center of everything. And we've examined things like why worship is so important, why it's so central to everything else, what worship is. It's, it's hardly limited to something we do corporately. That's part of it, but that's not even the lion's share of it. Um, what does it entail? What is it inspired by? It's one thing to preach at us and make us feel guilty that we're not worshipful, but where does it come from? 
Uh, where does that devotion and adoration to God come from? What's it inspired by? We talked even about some things that, that jeopardize our worship, remember? Um, things that even misdirect it. We talked about idolatry, which is sort of worship gone wrong, because we're all worshipers. Question is, what do we worship or whom do we worship? So as we transition from this year to the next, and we shift from our present theme to our new theme, I'd like to take a few minutes this morning to first of all pause together and, and reflect collectively on the ground that we've covered uh, together uh, through 2020. So I sent this email out uh, to you the day before yesterday or yesterday um, asking you to think about worship and, and the year 2020 that we are now uh, coming rapidly upon the end of. So when you think about worship and 2020, and this is a real question. We got Corey has a mic. And so, like I said, feel free to weigh in, folks on Zoom. I think I can see you well enough. Um, I can't get to the chat feature, so you'll have to just speak up, uh, unmute yourself and speak up. But I want us to, to think about what we learned from worship in 2020 or um, how did you find worship more, your worship more enhanced? Or maybe on the other side, how did you find your worship more challenging? What reflections might you have about your 2020 and uh, what you learned or experienced about worship? It's an all play. Greg in the back there. Corey's going to get a workout. He's going to get the steps in today. We're down to one mic for some reason. Um, I guess I'll just start with one of the good things, maybe the positive. It kind of helps you remember that your that church can kind of the, the the organizational part of church can be different than maybe you've traditionally done it not wrong just different and kind of blow up some of the uh kind of preconceived we, we always have to do it like this uh, you know there's probably a better way to explain it but just the understanding that church can look different and that's okay we can still be a church family mm -hmm. okay good who else Thoughts on 2020 and worship, what you learned, what you experienced, what you found challenging, frustrating, anything. Greg, Greg Beard up here, Corey. Well, this has brought us uh, into a time really of a major disconnect, you know, starting out in early March, mm -hmm. uh, disconnected from ourselves, number one. And so we missed that fellowship that we had one-on-one. Um, -on -one. Our small groups quit meeting for a while uh, when all this, you know, got started. And then there was, a, I think, a major disconnect just because we weren't spending as much time with our noses in the text as we did, mm -hmm. you know, as we used to. And um, it became incumbent upon us personally to increase our personal Bible study to maybe fill in the gap. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we lost our Bible classes. Wednesday nights were gone for a while. When Wednesday nights did get back going, we were having the devotionals, which were which were fine and great, but they're not the same as as you know in the text Bible study. Mm -hmm. And so, what our small group found, at least I I think we found, is after a while we kind of felt, you know, like something was missing. And so we really we kind of stepped it up in our small group and got into a you know in more of an intense Bible study mm -hmm. in our small groups, and that that kind of helped fill in the gap and kind of restored. I think what we were, what I felt like I was missing. Mm -hmm. anyway. Appreciate that. Roxy in the back there, Corey. Well, kind of on a, on a good side mm -hmm. of it, there was 
a, a little more personal responsibility in worship where you had to think ahead and make sure that you had the emblems for the communion. You had to bring your own chair. You had your phone that you would dial into the right song. Things like that that um, were never really our responsibility before, but we had to put a little more effort into corporate worship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the Sermon on the Mount looked more like what we're doing now or what like we used to do. It's probably without Zoom, without the cyber stuff and without the having to social distance. I mean, it's kind of the church. It kind of like makes you remember the church is us, right? It's not an institution. It's not a building. It's, it's actually people. Yes. With how the tithing plates have stopped being passed around, uh, especially when the uh, some of the churches just like you stop going to them it becomes a lot harder to tithe. Mm -hmm. And another reason is with the churches that have still been going, you sometimes forget where the plate's been put. <laughs> right. We can clear that up if anybody needs to know. I don't know where, are we passing a tray at the end today? Jimmy, can you hear me? Just while we're at it, are we passing a tray today? That Sometimes we announce that we are and sometimes it's just, Okay, at the end, we will pass a little tray if you want to contribute. Uh, who, uh, Randy. So, um, and I know you've talked about this before, and there, there have been times and seasons in my life where this has been more of a, a thing that's real for me, but you really did a good job this year driving home this idea that we will worship something, um, that we're just wired to, to, to hold something in, in high regard, and that can be self, that can be job, that can be kids, money, you know, connection, isolation, what, whatever the thing is. And, um, you know, even aside from the, the pandemic and all the changes that, that that brought on, I think I, I think I have maybe got that now that, <laughs> you know, and, and it's the, the good thing about it is that every morning you can kind of tell yourself, okay, it's a new day, whatever mistakes were in yesterday's day, whatever thing or person I put you know, in, in my, you know, ahead of myself to worship, mm -hmm. I, I can, I can make that God today. Right. Uh, and I'm with, you know, I'm, I'm with Roxy and others who said that, you know, when a pandemic hits, I mean, let's hope that never happens again, but I mean, in our, in our <laughs> lifetime anyway, um, you do have to say, okay, well, the, the, the spectator part of this is now that that's over. Like I have to be an active participant and you know, there's parts of it that reminded me of when I had little bitty kids and there'd be so many days where I would come and think, why did I, why was I even there? I didn't hear one word. I didn't sing one song. I'm like covered in spit up and everything else. And then it becomes up to you to say, well, I can either just say, forget the whole thing, or I can figure out how, you know, on my own when my kids are napping or when they're, you know, asleep to, to do Bible study and to, you know, connect with God and with my you know, church family in ways that look different. And um, so in a strange way, there, there were times during this pandemic where I thought, well, I've kind of done this before, not in the same way, but done the thing before where you feel like you can't just walk in the doors and participate in corporate worship like, like everyone else does. Right. Very good. Corey? So uh, echoing, I echo a lot of what Randy said. Um, but for me specifically, you know, I think I always intellectually knew my life is worship and all those different aspects that Randy was talking about. 
um, our acts of worship mm -hmm. and should should fill that void that right. the, that I'm designed to worship something and that should help fill that void. But without being able to meet together, one thing that it exposed was how much I rely on that singing as part of that worship that was so crucial to like the foundation of my worship was like singing together as a group mm -hmm. and when that was taken away it really challenged me to think about all the things randy was saying it's like what are all the other ways i can worship it kind of mm -hmm. forced me to stretch out um in ways that i didn't know i could so. yeah very good all right um Monty? So, yeah yeah charlie that's about the yeah, so since corey mentioned uh, singing that's one of the things that i've struggled with since we've been in this format. Um, it doesn't feel so much like singing to each other as uh, Colossians says, but singing along with a recording. And, and I feel a little more empty because of that. No question, no question. It makes you think about, you know, how singing is described in Colossians and Ephesians as a one another activity. I mean, it just is. Um, you know, teaching and admonishing one another, uh, like communion, it's a one another activity. That's, that's the only way it's described in the Bible. Uh, we make it this little individual thing, but it's described as a communal communion activity and singing is very much like that. So I, I think that's one of the things I've missed as well. I appreciate all those good uh, thoughts. Let's shift gears a bit now and, uh, and look again at 1 John 4.19. It says, we love, not, you know, comma, and then there's, there's nothing filled in there. We love wide open because he first loved us that's the motivation and we've in this past year focused on we've supplied in the object god recognizing that our love for god is sort of the the fountainhead of everything else right but besides loving god i want us now to focus on what else maybe should be the object of the verb to love we love blank what in addition to god do we love because he first loved us. Think about that as we have some readers now who are gonna read in quick succession, Corey. First of all, Greg Beard, then Sherry Beard, then Cherie are gonna read all together a section from 1 John uh, 4, 7 through 21. And think folks, as you hear this read about what else should be the object of our love. We love what in addition to God because God first loved us. All right. 1 John 4, beginning with verse seven. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. 1 John 4, 13 through 17. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love of God that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. 
1 John 4, 18 through 21. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Okay, thank you all for reading. Um, so what do you think? Given what that text says, given what 1 John 4 says, what else should be the object of our love besides God? Each other. I mean, he actually makes the point that if we're not loving one another, we whatever we say and whatever we may, you know, fantasize about how devoted we are and righteous we are and sound we are and faithful we are, if we're not people characterized by love for one another, we actually don't love God. Right? That's the that's the measure in a sense. That's the you know, sort of the other side of the coin. They go together inextricably. So what I want to do now, if Corey <laughs> getting back up, um, is, is, is think about the second question that I emailed out to y'all the other day, and that is, what's the connection between those two things, between loving God and loving one another within the church? How are those two loves related? And, you know, anything that you see in the text or, or, or just, you know, from, from elsewhere in Scripture, uh, what you think would be sort of, you know, necessary automatic applications of that, just logically. Think about the relationship between our love for God and love for one another within the church. How are those related? How are they connected? That's our question. We got Greg over here. Greg Hager. I don't know, from my perspective, you can't have one without the other. I mean, it's He set the example and we have to follow. And if we can't do that, then we're not really loving anybody or, or even God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly right. And, it, and it's very convicting to me to know that, you know, we're supposed to love as others as much as God loves us. I know I fall really short at that. And that's very, very convicting to me that I really need to think every day about how I can be more loving, not just the people I like, but the people that aggravate me. Yeah. And that's something I really need to work on. Right. So what, what are some ways, let's camp out there just for a second or two. What are some ways that God's love for everyone differs, if we're honest, from the way we love one another? Linda already hinted at that. What are some concrete, specific ways? This is unconditional. What kind of conditions do we place on love? Reciprocity. Whether I like you. Linda mentioned aggravated. Are you aggravate me. And I'll always remember that, and I'm not saying this to Linda directly, but if the shoe fits, Linda. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you, you might be, not Linda, but one might be, the one saying that might be the one who's aggravating. I might be the aggravating person, the aggravated, you know, the person that everybody's annoyed by. You know, remember that, because it's relative. <laughs> yeah, those are good. I mean, what else? What other differences? How do we fall short of actually loving one another like God loves? He sacrificed, gave his all. I mean, became a part of creation. Um, you know, what do we give up to love others? And another way to think of this might be, would any of us want to bank our eternal whereabouts, our eternal salvation um, on a, a, a love from God that looks like the way we love other people? 
how safe would you feel if you knew, well, now God's going to start loving you for the rest of your days into eternity and judge you accordingly based on the way you love other people? I mean, think of all the ways humans love each other. We, we base it on race, politics, class, whether I find you agreeable or disagreeable, whether I like your tastes, uh, whether we get the reciprocity. They don't really like me, so I don't like them back. It's all about whether they like me. I mean, there's a thousand ways we limit that if we're honest. And we're, we're told in 1 John, we don't even love God if we're doing that. So that's a tall order. And, and I think we need to think long and hard about that. Other thoughts uh, um, on that? We'll be talking about that a lot during the new year and plenty of other things. Forgiveness, definitely. We're, he loved us even while we were yet enemies. In due season, he, cried, he died for us and so on. Um, we're not... We're not forgiven unless we forgive. You know, it's the measure of how he'll forgive us. Um, okay, so the word love is literally all over 1 John. I mean, it's, it just peppers the text of 1 John. Little bitty letter, um, you know, two, three pages in your New Testament, and, and the word love is all over the place. It does not occur in the opening paragraph, all right, which is uh, chapter uh, 1, 1 through 4. And... Um, this is the, the passage that uh, Jeff read. Isn't that the one I gave you, Jeff? It's the opening, you know, kind of intro to 1 John. But there is another word in 1 John 1, 1 through 4, the opening paragraph, that encapsulates and expresses most of the, the kind of relational dynamics involved in love. The word love isn't used, but the concept is there with another word. I want you to listen now as this is read. Corey, if you could get the mic to Stephen Beard, he's going to read this one more time. And I want you to see, see what you notice. What other word appears in this text that pretty much at the end of the day functions like brotherly love? Okay, Stephen? That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Did you notice a word that at fellowship? The word is fellowship. So, can I get a, I wish, no. So, this is what's been flirting at you all day long. Half of you can't even see it. This is kind of janky. It's going to be PowerPoint, but here we go. I don't know if some of y'all can see it, but I appreciate Amanda um, designing this uh, banner, and we're going to have these in the building. We'll have these in the building like usual, you know, uh, posted, and it'll be on our website, and, and our it, my preaching will be themed around sub-themes of fellowship and community group material, maybe, you know, like we've been doing. But this, this year, it's on fellowship. The subtitle, because some of you I know are too far back to see it, is Life Together in Light of God's Love. All right? Life Together, motivated by and modeled by God's love for us. That's the springboard. That's the fountainhead of the whole thing, Right? But it's supposed to have an outgrowth into the way that we relate to one another. And that's what we'll be talking about over the next, uh, the, the next few uh, months and, and hopefully, Lord willing, the, the whole year. What does, uh, 
if, if I can have Corey run around again one more time, this will be the last time. What does fellowship mean to you? What do you think of when you think of fellowship? What do you think it entails? Let me get just some opening thoughts. All of us will learn a lot about fellowship over the next year, God willing. But what, what, what comes to mind when you hear the word fellowship? Okay. Greg said sharing. Sharing. Greg, Greg Beard. Okay, Greg Hager. Not so much with the church, but um, the woman who lives across the street from us. Because of COVID, she can't visit with her family. So Linda and I have kind of adopted her. We, you know, we made each other a plate of food or whatever. We talked back and forth and just kind of included her when she can't meet with her own family. Okay. Great. Randy Fox. Thanks, Corey. Um, I think of, I guess because fellowship is a word that you, you know, read in the Bible, I, I think of it as different than just like friendship or hanging out with people that you already like and know and have common interest in. It's like this kind of all in mm -hmm. feeling like it doesn't matter where you grew up or where I grew up or what language you speak or what kind of food you eat. I'm, that's close. Though, I know, that's, I know. That's, <laughs> we all have our areas. I know, right. but really it's just this idea of all in like we're there's this way, way, way more important thing, person who mm -hmm. unites us and I'm all in with you, you mm -hmm. know, just I'm here for right. what you need and we're here together. Mm -hmm. Greg, did you want to say more on sharing? I'm, I'm reminded of a passage in uh, Romans 14, verse 7, where it says, therefore, accept one another, just mm -hmm. as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Mm -hmm. So we get this sharing and this acceptance, mm -hmm. which goes along with yep. what Randy was saying. Yep. And there's some lessons planned right on that idea. Some versions say, welcome one another. Jeff Young up here. Yeah, I think that um, when I think of God's fellowship with us, he took a body and became one with all humanity. Mm -hmm. Every human, not just like, the good humans or the wealthy humans or the socially cool people. He just went down into the trenches with everybody and his body suffered on the cross, the lowest form of death. Mm -hmm. And so God wanted this deep unity and wants this deep, complete, sort of similar to what Randy was saying, this completeness of entering into every aspect of our life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, when I think of fellowship, I keep connecting it to God becoming flesh and one with me and mm -hmm. suffering everything I suffer. So it means entering into the mess of everybody's life, not in a, not in a judgmental way, but in a serving, loving, caring way. Great. Great. Any, any other thoughts? I um, I think if you if you look at them, we're gonna have a lot more to say about this. But the word fellowship tra is translated from the Greek word koinonia, and we get our word common, communal, communitarian, uh, community. We get all those words from koinonia. It goes back to that Greek word, and it is exactly the idea of sharing, of participating. Sometimes some English words and words, uh, versions will translate it 
joint participation. And that's exactly what God did in the incarnation, as Jeff was saying. Like he, how can you participate more with somebody than becoming part of them? You know, like literally connecting yourself to their plight. Um, so I don't know if you, you know, this is the artist's brain. So it's not real literal, but what, what this evokes, I think, all these little pieces, these triangles, and I asked Amanda about it. I said, to me, it strikes me this way. And she said, yeah, that's kind of it. Is there, there are pieces that, that go together. And so there's a reason the church is not, I mean, it's a collective noun. Ecclesia is the called out ones, right? It's like team or flock or herd. There really isn't, in the Bible, isn't a picture of a solo Christian. Just sort of zoning in. And we have to do stuff like that in trying times. I'm, I'm, we're not the only people who ever had to live. There's been war. There's been persecution. Uh, we got lots of accounts in history, Christian history of people uh, I've read articles by Martin Luther in the 15, uh, 1500s about what to do during their, they had plagues every five years. You know, we're like, well, this is so weird. It's really not historically. We're the aberration and, and all the same dilemmas we do. They're trying to have fellowship when it's hard. Um, a lot of things make our fellowship hard. And so we're going to try to get creative and concrete in the new year. We got people already brainstorming. And I'd like for you to start brainstorming on what are some things we can do in the, you know, hopefully the vaccine will get here and wipe all this out soon, but we don't know. And, and, and how long will that take? So what are things we can do to get together more and, and trying to be flexible and light on our feet to make sure fellowship happens because it is crucial. It, it is our lifeblood. Um, we need it, whether we admit it or not, or know it or not. Um, so we're going to be trying to brainstorm ways to do that. And I'm not going to say anything now, but we got some of those we're working on. Corey and others are coming up with ideas, and we're all ears for anybody who uh, may have ideas. But basically, um, next week and over the coming months, we're going to be exploring what fellowship entails, why it's so crucial to our flourishing as disciples of Jesus, why it can be so difficult to achieve. COVID is one example, but there's a lot of other things, if we're honest, that are impediments to fellowship, and some of them come out of us, right? We want to control things more than we want connection. Uh, we don't really want to open up. Vulnerability is scary. All that's part of it. Some of us like to reduce everything to tasks instead of people and relationships. That's our personality. That has its forte. It also has a downside, like every personality trait. There's a heads and a tails. There's a lot of things that are impediments to fellowship that would be here whether we had COVID or not. And so we ought to be thinking about that and praying about it and meditating on it. And so I'm going to ask you to, to as we focus in the new year on how we can nurture and develop fellowship more fully and thereby love God better because we're loving one another better. That's what First John equates, right? Those two. Think about how it can be nurtured and developed. Study about that. Pray about it. Think about it. And that's where we're planning on going in the new year. All right. I was hot. Now I'm freezing. So I'm going to wrap it up and go get my coat on. Thanks for coming out today, everybody. Good to see folks on Zoom. Does anybody on Zoom have a comment or question? All right, good to see y'all. Thank you.